So we're happy today to have Dr. Tanwar here representing our next study that we're going to discuss in the January podcast. And the title of the study is Validation of Terminal Peptide of Procollagen 3 for the Detection and the Assessment of Non-Alcoholic Steatohepatitis in Patients with Non-Alcoholic Fatty Liver Disease. Thank you for joining me today. In brief, the study attempts to define a novel non-invasive test or non-liver biopsy-based test, a serum study, for distinguishing simple steatosis indeterminate NASH from NASH. And overall, 172 patients from two separate centers with biopsy-proven disease were included in the study. They broke the study into two parts, a derivation cohort comprising 84 patients and then a validation cohort comprising 88 patients. And ultimately, these patients were tested against a background of biochemical and serological markers, among which include CK18, hyaluronic acid, TEMP1, P3 and P, YKL40, collagen 4. And so I just want to open the discussion up to Dr. Tanwar to say, why did you select the variables that you did for the study? And tell me a little bit about how you came up with the numbers that you enrolled in the study. Why not less? Why not more? Did you do a power analysis and that sort of thing? Sure. First of all, I'd like to thank um, both Hepatology and Oswald for letting us talk about our recent paper. So um, with regard to our study, it really was a, a pragmatic study to to see if we could derive you know, a biomarker model for, for NASH in patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And we were really minded on, from two concepts. Firstly, the experience in, in liver fibrosis in which uh, candidate markers, so-called direct tests, uh, have been used to non-invasively detect fibrosis, but also the success of non-indirect panels, which are comprised of you know, uh, standard biochemical parameters. So we chose variables based upon biological plausibility because we, we knew about NASH and its association with progressive fibrosis, apoptosis, and inflammation, but also laboratory variables like ALT, AST, and things that we can measure at the bedside. So it really was a pragmatic study. And our study was performed in, in collaboration with two, two of our big UK liver centers in Nottingham and Newcastle. And our aim really was to, was to aim to have approximately 100 patients in each cohort, which we thought would give us uh, good power to, to detect differences uh, amongst the cohorts. Okay, excellent. And just looking at table one, uh, I see the derivation cohort here. You had 11 simple steatosis borderline NASH. So there I'm assuming that you've put together isolated steatosis with indeterminate NASH. So you can have a little bit of inflammation, you can have evidence of a little bit more than isolated steatosis, but not meeting the histopathologic definition of NASH. Is that correct? That's correct. So, I mean, arguably uh, the most powerful real diagnostic test is, is the histological diagnosis of, of NASH, which is really what the histopathologist interprets the, the, the specimen as. And this is regardless really of the NASH score or its subcomponents. And in fact, we found that many of the patients who had a histological diagnosis of NASH may have had a high NASH score and vice versa. So it really does emphasize the need to, to uh, have a, an appropriate histological diagnosis. I agree. And, and as I look at Table 1 further, and I'm looking at, at your uh, p-values and then the univariate regression odds ratios that were performed, 
you've highlighted the variables that were significant. Ferritin stands out, TEMP1, terminal peptide procollagen 3, YKL40 did not make significance, and collagen 4 did. The noted missing variable there, the variable that didn't reach significance, was CK18. And there's been quite a bit published on CK18 as an isolated marker. It seems like it has a fair ROC for detecting and distinguishing NASH and NASH with fibrosis. And there's been recent work combining CK18 with soluble FAS and even FGF21. But others, including yourself, have shown that CK18 by itself might not be as good a marker maybe as we originally thought. Now, the one caveat being your numbers are are relatively small, and there is a difference in CK18, 149 for simple steatosis, borderline NASH, and 208 for NASH. So the argument can be made if you enrolled more patients, there probably would be a significant difference there. But do you have any thoughts on that? No, I fully agree. I think, um, you know, going into this study, we fully recognized that CK18 was, was the most validated biomarker of NASH. Uh, and thus we expected it probably to be the spine of what we would uh, get out of the study or, or perhaps it could be used alongside another marker as a biomarker panel. But um, we did analyze our data with respect to CK18 given our, our results. And I think we, we do um, appreciate that our study was underpowered to detect these differences that probably do exist, as we can see here in Table 1. 149 versus 208, there is a difference, but I think, I think the study is underpowered. But what we did find is that CK18 was significant if we looked at patients with all degrees of fibrosis and not just in patients without advanced fibrosis. These data aren't in our manuscript. But um, looking at more severe liver disease, it appears to be a more powerful marker of NASH, but perhaps not so much so in patients without advanced fibrosis. Okay. I'll come back to that in a minute. I want to ask you about combining variables and get your thoughts on that. But just uh, taking this forward, you did a multivariant logistic regression. You found that terminal peptide procollagen 3 had an odds ratio of 3, and subsequently that's what you focused on for the rest of your analysis. And so the ROCs that, that you show look pretty good. I mean, if, if we're just looking at the, uh, the ROC and discriminating between NASH and simple steatosis, it's 0.77 to 0.82 in patients with F0 to 2 fibrosis. And 0.82 to 0.84 in patients with F0 to 3 fibrosis. So this is relatively comparable to Ariel Feldstein's data originally looking at CK18, where the p-value or the ROC was 0.83, 0.81, that sort of thing. How do you see this? And we'll, well, you mentioned this in your discussion a little bit. How do you see this as a standalone marker for distinguishing NASH from isolated steatosis? So, I mean, we touched in the paper about uh, overlapping, the concept of overlapping utility. And from a clinical perspective, certainly in our, in our uh, practice in the UK, it, it, when we see patients with, with NAFLD, or, or, um, one, one, the questions that go into our head are, does the patient have NASH or do they have advanced fibrosis? So we, we appear to have a, um, a test which has, has utility for both uh, diagnoses. Whether or not it's as good a test as CK18 for, for NASH, pure NASH, it's difficult to say. But I think 
you know, in going forward in the future, maybe the role of this would be to combine it with CK18 or with other parameters that would further enhance its diagnostic performance. But as a standalone test, particularly in primary care, I think this is very interesting, these data, that suggests that it could be used to stratify patients into those with more advanced manifestations of, of NAFLD and those without. So as you mentioned in your study, you would like to see this validated in other, in other studies. But let's say others validate this and we get similar ROCs of 0.82 or anything less than 0.9. Do you think that's good enough or do you think we really should be aiming for a non-invasive test? And when I say non-invasive, I mean not a liver biopsy that has an ROC or an accuracy greater than 0.9. Sure. Ultimately, you know, we have to think, well, what is this test going to be used for and where will it be used? And my thought on this is that it would be used in primary care where having a, you know, a positive predictive value of 95% may not be the aim, but the aim would be to be very comfortable that the patient doesn't have have NASH and, and, and for this reason we can use thresholds that uh, would uh, give us confidence that the patient doesn't have a severe manifestation of NAFLD and for that purpose we, you know, we don't have, always have to um, attain an, an, an AUC of 0.9, sometimes an AUC of 0.8 may be good enough as long as we use thresholds that can you know, give us the, the power to do this in clinical practice. I think you did a great job of, of explaining your thought process there. And that is something that we're struggling with as we move forward is, you know, what is the right sensitivity, specificity, positive and negative predictive value for these non-invasive tests? And I think it does depend on the clinical question that you're asking. And I like the fact that you guys have different cut points here too. You pick different thresholds for terminal peptide procollagen 3, looking at 6.6, 7.2, and 11, to kind of answer the question of what are you trying to do? Are you trying to rule out or rule in disease? And so I think uh, the readers will find that very useful that in the discussion that you, uh, that you dive into this issue. Let me back up a little and ask you another question that kind of is a, is a surrogate to the one I asked you a moment ago, and that is there are some tests that are being developed in this field that are designed to rule in or rule out fat, not necessarily NASH, but do you have NAFL? The fatty liver index is, a, is an example of this, the flea, if you will. Do you see there is utility in clinical practice for a primary care doctor to know if there's fatty liver or not? Or should we be focusing more, in your opinion, on is there NASH or not? Well, with regard to um, hepatic uh, steatosis and fat, we, you know, we have you know, ultrasound scanning, which is uh, obviously it's a... Um, it's a scanning modality, but it is both sensitive and specific for hepatic steatosis. And given the, I mean, particularly in the United Kingdom, the relative ubiquity of, of ultrasound scanning, my own thought, the benefit of having a, a test which is, you know, which is diagnostic of hepatic fat may or may not be so important, but really it's the, the next step thereafter, i.e. going from a diagnosis of steatosis and then stratifying patients into those with NASH or fibrosis and those without. Sure. I think the, the one time where it might be beneficial is, you know, if we're looking at the extrahepatic manifestations of fatty liver disease. In other words, the association with cardiovascular disease and diabetes sure. and these things where maybe if a primary care physician was able to say, hey, this patient has fatty liver, that puts them at increased risk for these other diseases, not necessarily from a liver disease perspective, but from extrahepatic disease. So I think there's more to 
come with that as well. The last point I want to touch on with you is a very intriguing discussion that you went into about using terminal peptide of procollagen 3 as a potential marker of NASH in treatment studies and longitudinal studies to show that, hey, our treatment might, is our treatment working and can we use a non-invasive test to substitute for a liver biopsy as a potential surrogate endpoint? And that's intriguing, and particularly as we move into the realm of therapeutics and developing pharmaceuticals for steatohepatitis, this is uh, this has potential to be useful, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a, it's a, f- a fantastic point. It's I mean, up to now, the surrogates that we've been relying on in terms of treatment uh, trials and, and therapies have primarily been liver biopsy, uh, which we all know has has its um, limitations. We were really intrigued about in in our study was that the, um, the terminal peptide of procollagen three correlated with the total NAS score, the lobular inflammation grades, the degree of steatosis, and the degree of hepatocyte ballooning, which we thought was um, very interesting. So not only does it give you a binary idea of NASH versus non-NASH, but it gives you a, an idea of grading. And uh, one of the graphs in our in our paper. It was quite very interesting the way we, when we stratify patients by their NAS score, you can really see the difference in the median levels of P3 and P. And I think it is quite exciting that if this could be used as a potential biomarker for future studies, this would be very encouraging. Absolutely. Well, one final thought, and that is we mentioned earlier about combining markers. Did you guys give thought to that? I didn't see that in the paper. I was well, we haven't gone into it in much depth in the paper, but we tried several permutations based upon what we found in our derivation cohorts. And none of these combinations uh, of, of variables were more powerful than P3MP alone in the validation cohort, regardless of what we tried. And it really cemented what we found, that P3MP was the only marker that was significantly associated with NASH in both cohorts. Okay. Well, super. I really appreciate you taking your time out this evening to discuss this study with the hepatology readership, and we look forward to more work from your group in this field, and hopefully one day soon we will have a non-invasive test that answers these questions so that we can uh, get away from doing liver biopsies in, in everybody because it is, a, it is a major area of concern. So thanks so much, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much.